This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Fish Flight Entertainment. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart of the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Ferminger. And today, I am thrilled, I am genuinely thrilled to welcome the multi-talented triple threat, Kazumi Evans, to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. All right, Kazumi, here's my, here's my thesis statement. You ready? Yes. Okay, here we go. Kazumi Evans has a voice that soars. I mean, her voice can do lots of other things, too which you know if you've ever watched any number of locally produced animation, television, or movies, wondered, who's the human behind that voice? And then headed to IMDb only to encounter the depth and breadth of her filmography. Kazumi's many credits include Monster Beach, where she voices Jan and Murmur Maid 2, Polly Pocket, The Hollow, The Dragon Prince, multiple Barbie movies, Rogue and Boomer and Wolverine vs. Sabretooth, multiple characters on My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, including Rarity's singing voice and the dastardly Adagio Dazzle in My Little Pony, Equestria Girls, Rainbow Rocks, which might be one of my favorite Battle of the Bands movies ever. I stand by that. Using her versatile voice, Kazumi infuses her characters with undeniable life, be they villains or curious preteens or monsters from the deep. And it's a life that soars. It soars out from TV or iPad or computer speakers, and it burrows itself into your memory. She's unforgettable. Her talent is undeniable. And today we're going to get to know the triple threat. And yes, we will define what that is for people who are like, what is she threatening me with three things? Yes, she is. The triple threat behind the voice. Kazumi Evans, welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Thank you so much, Sabrina. I think that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said about me. <laughs> and it, it shouldn't be because everybody should be saying that. Um, okay, a couple of things I want to get out of the way off the top. Uh, besides Kazumi, we actually have another special guest joining us uh, on the pod today. Um, I, I love how surprised you are, but Kazumi, this is an individual that is sitting next to you. This, we're welcoming Gus, who is Kazumi's dog, who uh, was barking when we were doing our, uh, our intro in another room. I'm like, please bring Gus in uh, because we love dogs. It's a pandemic. Bring the dogs in. Um, Gosh. Yeah, no, he's ran out to, to run out to see my parents now. Um, you know, Aww. his attention is never held for, for long. Good <laughs> Lord, Gus, he was there. He's barking for like three minutes. You bring him in. He howled. It was a beautiful howl. And then he left. Yeah. Okay, well, hopefully Gus comes back. Yes. No, I'm, I'm sure he will at some point. I'm sure we'll hear him at some point. Uh, uh, life in the pandemic uh, and working on Zoom, isn't it? 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you're doing voice recording, then you don't want your dog uh, barking oh, and stuff. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. No, no, no. Definitely my poor husband. He deserves so much credit in that regard because whenever I have to record a voiceover audition well, or, or film audition for that matter, and that's even mm -hmm. trickier, I think, um, like, please, like, with, like, what, whatever it takes, whether it's treats, <laughs> um, you know, pets, whatever, just please keep them quiet. And, and could you please be quiet too? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, I, and I'm sure that is something, I know that is something everyone has had to encounter counter because yeah the the beauty of self tape these days yeah i mean i do feel for um i feel for actors uh yes. and, and anybody i mean my husband directs uh, animation uh, as well yes. so he, he he encounters that however as somebody who does these has these conversations i love animals i love like bring your animals into the call um except my cats who are assholes anyway if kazumi and i sound like we're talking like we are old friends it kind of is because we are. Yeah. So I, I don't know if you've listened to the podcast, Kazumi, or in the episodes that you've listened to, you hear there's this question where I'm like, bring us back in time to an earlier point in your, in your life where you were, you know, before you began your career, but, you know, you were doing that. We get to see who you were as a performer. And I, 18, I 18 <laughs> years ago, got to see uh, Kazumi do her thing you know as a 50 she was 15 14 or 15 years old you know you were uh the the lead girl uh in the i forget your name i know that but i remember it's like there was boy and girl because those are the art the kind of the archetypes that are present right, in yeah. pantomimes right but uh, in a in a community theater pantomime at the metro theater in vancouver and i got to perform alongside kazumi i played an old crone um, and You're so funny, though. <laughs> Thank <still> you. Recording, <laughs> you were so good and just so gracious and so kind, and I've never forgotten you all these years. And then, all these years later, when we finally reconnected, I was like, Sabrina. Yeah, I mean, you have taught my child uh, voice acting over Zoom, which like nice. boggles my mind. But even before we had reconnected. I had the chance to kind of reconnect with your work. And I have to say, um, you definitely, even at 15 years old, you, you left an impression on me. And I think on a lot of other people who are part of that production because you were so professional. You were so, I mean, I know that like at the time, um, and I know this is your story to tell, but I'm going to tell you what I remember. Uh, at the time, you were a high school student. I believe you were dividing your days between, it was like half of your day you were at this one of these top schools in the city and the rest of the day you were at like a ballet academy, you know, yeah. and you came, you, you were prepared, you knew everybody else's lines. Oh my God, I just remember I, that I, now. <laughs> and you, and, but like, I remember that every time that you would like sing your solo or do your dance, like everybody would stop and watch you know like you I, and we were all like that kid she's gonna go really far you know and and then you did and i and so in my story and my interactions with the kazumi evans story um you know fast forward oh god many years maybe more than a decade and my daughter and I are watching, you know, uh, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, um, and her favorite character is Rarity, and she loves all of Rarity's songs. And then we're watching Equestria Girls, you know, and uh, the Rainbow Rocks, as I say, best battle of bands movie. Um, there is a battle of the bang, band song where the, like, the 
I forget yes. what it's called. Your it's bad people it. are walking through the yes. area. And you're, I'm like, that, that voice is amazing and like weirdly familiar. And then I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> that's Kazumi. That's the one from the Panto. So there's a question in there and I'm going to find it right now. You know, t- t- tell me who you were. Who you, looking back now with oh, the, the, the gravitas and the, the insight that, you know, 18 years can, can bring, you know, back to who you were at 15 and the, and the Kazumi that I got to see do her thing on stage, you know, where were you at that point? And, and uh, what do you think where you were then tells us about the journey that you went on in subsequent years? Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, in so many ways, it feels like another lifetime ago. But at the same time, not that long ago, if that mm. makes any sense. Like I, in some ways, I'm like, I still feel like I'm the same age, even though I know I'm not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just, from though that time in my life, I just remember wanting so badly to be a professional performer and just to be an actor and just to do this for a living. That's all I had ever wanted. And had what was this? When you say do this, you know, because then I, I guess this is a good time to indicate what triple threat means to people who are kind of on the outside of the industry. Triple threat does not mean that Kazumi has all sorts of scary martial arts skills. Like, although maybe she does. I don't know. Her, some of her characters do. Tri- triple threat means that you are equally proficient nay dazzling uh in in singing and dancing and acting and it is it is very rare uh to to be a triple threat truly you know to be as dazzling and as i mean proficient doesn't even scratch the surface right like you have to dazzle in every one of those Yeah, well, and to answer your question, I I guess at that time, this meant uh, I wanted to perform in musicals. Mm. And I figured if I was going to give myself the best chance at being hireable, and I I had to be as diverse as possible. And um, I had just kind of learned what the term triple threat meant. And so that means, you know, a performer uh, that is a singer, dancer, and actor, and can do all three very, very well. Yeah. And so I was in a half-day program, as you mentioned, at the time where I would go to school for a couple hours in the morning, and then for the rest of the day, for like five hours, I'd be at the dance studio just doing ballet class. Um, uh, yeah, just taking class and then rehearsals for competitions at that time. Um so yeah, I was I was a pretty busy teenager, yeah. which, which was awesome. So it definitely wasn't the usual high school experience, I guess most people get to have. But looking back now, I'm really glad that I had that experience because all the girls that I grew up dancing with are I'm still friends with today. Oh yeah, um, and I think it just gave me not only I guess it, it taught me about dance, but it just gave me kind of I, I guess a certain work ethic for life. You work so much harder even on the pantomime than like some of the grown-ups, you know, most of the grown-ups who were who were there. And I think that's one of the the reasons that you were so memorable. Like really, because you treated it like a job and you took everything really like you were super dedicated and so skilled. And I just I'm I mean, I have a lot of questions about that too, you know, like, were you, did you, were you enjoying it? Did you have, did you have, 
You loved it. Loved it. I loved it. Uh, but the panto at, at, and and the the dancing in the half day program, I absolutely loved it. I wouldn't change a thing if I had to go back and change it. Um, and yeah, especially with the pantomime and working uh, in in a show, like it was, there was definitely stars in my eyes, but like, I just wanted to be seen as good. I wanted to be seen as professional. I wanted to be considered a professional because that's just all I wanted at that time was to be a professional performer. And uh, hopefully one day uh, be a professional actor or performer of some type. Uh, yeah. And at that time, I think specifically, I really wanted to go to Broadway or just be in musicals professionally. Yeah. And so I thought, well, you know, if I'm if I'm going to do this, I have to I have to show right away that I'm serious about this. <laughs> and yeah. I, I do accredit that a lot to the ballet training, just because ballet is an art form. It is very structured and very rigid. Um, you know, your eyes are supposed to be this way and your arms are supposed to be in first position and there's no mm -hmm. if and about it. Uh, so I think having, I guess, that uh, discipline, I, I guess I keep saying, at that age uh, just set me up yeah. for the industry, which was great. That's, that is really fascinating. And I'm, I'm really wondering, you know, because, I mean, you've definitely carved out a niche for yourself in the last few years, especially, you know, as like this voice superstar, you know, um, and I'm just, I'm wondering what, and we're going to get into the, the how you got there and the lessons and the fans and all that, but, you know, what do you think that 15-year-old you, who was so set on Broadway, um, and then who a few years later, incidentally, would go on to be part of a a reality show called Triple Threat, um, <laughs> yes. which I totally want to talk about. Um, yes. you know, who was so set on a certain kind of of professional experience, which is, mm -hmm. is a, also very similar to Vincent Tong's as well, who's a frequent colleague of yours. Yes. You know, what do you think that she would think, 15-year-old you, would think of the work that you're doing now and the niche that you've carved out for yourself? I, I, I think she would be surprised. She'd be like, what happened? But the same <laughs> same time I also think she would be rather delighted because uh, I've always grown up being a Disney lover um, as you can see these pictures behind me yeah, there you have artwork behind me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Disney artwork behind me and uh, cartoons in general I just didn't know at that time that that was even a career option I didn't like you know you I guess everyone knows in the back of their mind that there's actors doing the voices but I didn't I didn't even know it was a market. I didn't even know it was a niche part of the entertainment industry. So yeah, I guess I just never knew it existed. So I think I would have been really delighted if someone had told me, oh, this is your future. But at the same time, I'd probably been like, yeah. Oh, like, what? okay. Yeah. What? Cool. what? That's a thing. That's a thing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Triple Threat. I think that was 2007, right? The Triple Sensation. Yeah. Sorry, yes, Triple Sensation. That's okay. No, 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 no. It's the same same idea. It's all yeah. good. <laughs> I think Sensation sounds way less threatening than Triple Threat. Yes, it does. Yes. Um, but it, but I mean it was a, it was a reality show where, you know, I mean, you were competing for the 
title of triple sensation, right? You know, and yeah. I mean, you, you held on for a lot of episodes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. As I, well, tell me what you learned on that show and what were some about yourself and, um, you know, and how that kind of influenced the path that you chose moving forward after that. Yeah, well, it, it was one of the most memorable summers of my life, I think for sure, just it, because I was 17 at the time. I was so young. Uh, but definitely one of the most nerve wracking for sure. Like I look back now and I'm like, oh gosh, like I don't know if hypothetically I were put in that same situation now, how I'd hold up. Um, but it was a wonderful experience. Um, I just remember seeing an ad for it in the paper and my mom and I talking about it and we're like, oh yeah, like why not? And a bunch of the girls that I was actually dancing with, um, at the ballet studio were going to try out for it as well. Because uh, the studio had heard about it, uh, because uh, the judges for the show, uh, Marvin Hamlish, um, uh, Cynthia Nixon, like it, 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 oh yes, they were they were huge people within the musical theater industry. Yeah, and um, Adrian Noble. Sorry, I'm like just remembering all the yeah. now, <laughs> um, but. I just remember just thinking, okay, yeah, like, I'll just go try and we'll see what happens. And all of a sudden I just kept kind of progressing through the stages of auditioning. And what they did is they went across Canada and across Canada, they chose 12 kids, uh, I think between the ages of 16 and 25 uh, to compete on this show called Triple Sensation. And what you would do is you would go through master classes with some of the best instructors and uh, coaches from around the world. Like we had Patsy Rodenberg on there, mm. for goodness sake. Um, and they would, you know, give you master classes in their craft and you would learn and you would be judged on that and um, eliminated. Uh, and then whoever made it to the final six would get to perform in like a final review and uh, then the top three would get scholarships mm-hmm. uh, to, I guess, an institution, a post-secondary institution of their choice. And so it, honestly, like the, the, the contestants that I went through that summer with, I'm still, I still talk to today. We yeah. still follow each other's journeys. It, it's pretty amazing to see what everyone's done. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was it, it was incredible. And luckily, I made it to the final six. So that was cool. That was my goal. I did not place in the top three, but I, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. I remember being livid. <laughs> I'm curious. I'm curious. I want to talk about that title, Triple Sensation. Uh, Although I think I like triple threat better now that I've kind of sat yeah, with it. I like triple threat because it's totally, it, it does kind of badass. position you as a warrior. Yeah, you're total badass. When you think of yourself, do you hold those three, dancer, actor, singer, in the same regard, in the same place? Or is there one that you think that you are? More of now? Of? Yeah. Um, I think back in the day, I, I definitely thought of myself more as a triple threat. Uh, now, just because as I've gotten older, 
I'm, I'm, I'm definitely older body. Ages, okay. Can I everything. say you've mentioned the older so many times and granted, I know I, that we've known each other for 18 years, but I'm still older than you. So every time you talk about how old you are, I'm like, I didn't mean it like that. I'm just saying, I'm just. <laughs> exactly the same. You oh, um, but yeah, I don't, but I, I don't know what I was saying there. Anyway, I was just asserting, reasserting the fact that I'm still, I'm still far older uh, than you are. Um, Please continue. Yeah, sorry, I interrupted your thought. So back back then, you considered yourself more of a triple threat slash sensation, but now you are. Now I feel not as much as a dancer. I, I'd probably say more so a mover. Uh, mm-hmm. just, just because I, I, I guess just with the intensity of the training I was doing at that time, mm-hmm. where it, it, it's not the same as it is now. Yeah. Uh, just because my focus is different. Um, my focus isn't as much uh, on m- musical theater as now primarily the work I do is voiceover or film and television. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I think of myself more so as an actor-singer now versus actor-singer-dancer. Um, definitely, like, if you give me choreography, like, I'd be delighted to learn it and, and to do it. But I guess it, it's not to the same skill level as I was when I was 17 and I was doing it five hours a day. Uh, the, the muscle recall is probably a lot different. Yeah, I'm not even a dancer and I can't even walk in the same way that I walked when I was 17 years old. And every time, Marty pointed out recently that every time I stand up, I go, oof, or sit down, I go, oof. And then I also say, like, before I start any task, I go, okay. And I didn't know I was doing these things. It's like a new thing that kind of hit uh, when I turned 40 and I'm 42 now. So you have a lot of, <laughs> you have a lot to look forward to, uh, Kazumi, in your future. Let's talk about the, the journey into the voice booth and like kind of how we got here. You know, how do you get from, you know, your dreams of musical theater, you know, to, to an entire kind of hidden world, a realm, you know, that once you see it, in the entertainment industry, you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. But, you know, as you said, like, you didn't even know, you didn't even know that it was a thing, you know? So how did you, how did you kind of, you know, triple threat your way, shuffle off to Buffalo your way, you know, uh, shimmy your way. I don't know a lot about dancing. Um, into into uh, the, the voice acting realm. Ah, well, it, again, it was a complete bloody accident, really. A happy accident, but an accident uh, all the same. Um, just the agent at that time who represented me for theater, he said, hey, are you interested in doing voiceover work? And I said, oh, sure, yeah, that's great, but what is it? And yeah. uh, he said, oh, you know, like cartoons and radio. And I said, wow, that sounds amazing. Yes, I'd love to. Uh, so he started sending me out for auditions. And I think it would probably be a around a good year. I was going out for auditions, getting close to some stuff, but not booking. And then My Little Pony came along and they were doing a reboot. And I remember the callback round so vividly, just going in and auditioning and being like, oh, well, you know, I guess that's it. Like nothing really special stood out about that day and I I just remember going in there doing my best and being like, okay, well, you know, cool. Like not thinking anything of it, forgetting immediately after uh, what went down. And then 
I got it. And it was, it, it did pretty well. Commercially? Yeah, a little and, bit. A little bit just okay. Little bit. <laughs> oh. And yeah, and that show opened a lot of doors for me because, yeah, when you're on a show that's, it ran for 10 seasons um, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of, uh, like little spinoff series like Equestria Girls, which is where Adagio Dazzle comes in. Um, yeah, like people associate your name with that show and it, they give you more opportunities. It's 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 like any form of the entertainment industry, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so I was really fortunate, I think, my first time out of the gate. That- yeah, a little bit. Wow, that's Kazumi <laughs> with the understatements. Yes, you're fortunate, but also like how fortunate for them to be oh. the ones who get to to get to like discover you and to like, pull you up into the voice realm in that kind of way. What kind of learning were you were you doing on that show? It, it was a lot of learning for yeah. sure. Just because, <laughs> just because again, um, I remember, you know, what, when I would do speaking parts, for example, okay, like you, you can't rush right in with your line. You have to give a beat. You can't talk on top of other actors and, you know, you have to remain really, really quiet and, and certain clothing even, you can't wear to session. Um, so oh, really? Of- Wait, sorry, oh, I'm very God. curious about that. What yeah. are some of the, cause I'm always fascinated about what goes on in voice booths. And I know that voice booths with other people are not really as much happening these days, I know. you know? But like, so tell me about like, what are some of the, the no good clothing wardrobe that, you know, for the voice recording booth? Yeah, well, any any rustly jewelry, like any like things that like beads that clip. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, even like these, I probably wouldn't wear in a session just because headphones they would smoosh against my face. Right. Um, but any like I, I don't know any clothes that would make a sound really easily if you move. So something like this is great. Like I'm wearing like a thick woolly sweater. Yeah. So that's fine because it's not going to make a lot of noise if you move. And I move a lot behind the mic. That's one thing I'm constantly told like, okay, cause I mean, like stay, stay <laughs> in one spot because I'm so used to moving. Yeah. Um, so but I would assume that moving is good. It's as great. Well. It's great. It's just that a lot of times I'm going off mic because I'm like, ah, you know, like moving as if the, I'm trying to physicalize the character, mm. which I find really helps me. Uh, some people can deliver gold just by having their hands in their pocket and standing in one spot. And that's great. Uh, stillness was not was something I've always had to work on <laughs> um, <laughs> because I just always felt a certain freedom in movement. No, oh, I have uh, one of those kids. I know what that's like. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, it it, it teaches their own, Uh, but I discovered, okay, I got to make sure what I'm wearing to work is not going to give me away or cause an issue behind the mic because the mics are so sensitive. Um, You were the singing voice of Rarity, um, which also meant that, like, it was like there were you and Tabitha St. Germain were, were giving life to, you know, a single character. Can you yeah. tell me about the, the nature of that collaboration, you know, between you and Tabitha and like what you had to do, um, you know, to, to match each other to like to, or for you to match her voice, you know, what kind of work went into that? Well, it was a lot of listening to tape, uh, mm. especially in the beginning, like when 
there wasn't a season out. It was just, okay, like here's like a little snippet of um, an episode. Did you that, get to see what Rarity looked like? Because she was yes, so beautiful. Yes, which is such a gift because you don't always get to see you know the what the character looks like prior uh to it being released to the world uh, but when you get to have that picture it really does help inform you um what how big they are how small they are um and, and to be able to physicalize them again yeah. uh but tabitha oh my goodness uh, first of all tabitha tabitha saint germain shout out i love you uh she is i think by far the greatest voice actress I have ever met. Uh, certainly, oh, I I couldn't imagine a better person to have l- gotten the opportunity to learn from for 10 plus years straight mm-hmm. and getting to share that character with her. And she, not only is she uber talented at what she does, but she is such a kind, kind woman as well and very generous. And one of her jokes that she'd always make is like, oh, you know, like, who's the horse's ass? Like, you or I? Uh, (laughs) Because we would share rarity. You know, and yeah, just for a 19-year-old to get to work with her at such a young age and for her to be so gracious to me. um, Yeah, and to learn from her was such a great opportunity and such a gift. Yeah. First time out of the gate. Out, out of the, out of the, I don't know, you said gate, and I'm thinking of Yeah, I know, I'm, I'm just I'm and, walking right yeah. into the, <laughs> right into um, <laughs> You know, I mean, the, the you know, besides the, uh, the astounding opportunity that you, that you had, and, and the many years of it, and the fact that, you know, especially in Vancouver, like, to have that kind of regular work opportunity to work and stuff as well, which is phenomenal. The other thing that's phenomenal about My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, uh, which is the complete title. I've, I, I will always say My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, or MLPFIM, um, was, it, it was, it was also the how much it resonated, you know, with fans, you know, and, and the surprising fans, you know, I mean, there's, you know, people who don't even know, you know, the show, know about the bronies, know about the, you know, the yes. conventions and stuff. Um, tell me when you first, you know, what was your first experience um, or your first memory of when you realized that you were part of something truly special that was going to change the game for animation you know and the, and the ways that and and why you think what it is that you think it was about mlp fim you know that that made it resonate with fans in the way that it did well i think what made that specific generation of my little pony because i i grew up with the earlier versions of my little pony and loved it and so you know, that uh, side note, I was just so delighted to be on a show that I adored growing up and to now be a part of it as an adult. Um, I think what made this particular generation special though, was you had the amazing music by Daniel Ingram. You had the amazing animation. uh, You, it, it was just a whole series of different aspects of that show that just came together and they just managed to capture lightning in a bottle because Mm. honestly you never really know if it's going to work there's been series I've worked on in the past that I've thought oh wow like you know I I I really hope people will love this and I think it really has a great chance of getting out there and you know it doesn't make it past maybe season one or season two um so hollow 
R.I.P. the follow that one. But sometimes these broadcasters do not give a chance to these series. Yes, 100%, 100%. And I think, you know, thankfully My Little Pony, because it, it probably already had a following and because it's already been successful in the past, um, it had a better shot probably than most shows from the get-go. Yeah, but yeah. I think just the music um was amazing and the animation was amazing and then you had um, a cast and crew that believed in the show and just loved it for what it is it, it was just a whole bunch of factors that came together uh, that made it really work yeah. and it just really made it take off and, and and then of course the fans and the bronies i think one of the reasons why we got to go for as long as we did was because of the bronies and and all the pekka sisters and and the fans all around the world yeah. um i think the other question to address your other question was when i kind of figured out that it was i was a part of something um was when i went to a convention in Baltimore, I believe. And it, it was funny, I had taken my now husband, but then he was my boyfriend, and we had just started dating at that time. And we were being driven from the hotel to the hotel where the convention was being held at. And there was a line just snaking around the block, get just lining up of, of fans to get into the hotel. And my husband's like, um, so my then boyfriend, what do you do again? <laughs> He's like, so sorry, like I, I know we're here for your job, but like, what is it that you do again? I just, I just need to recap. Um, and so, and that's when I kind of realized, and people were lining up uh, for autographs and and talking about the music of the show and how they really resonated with maybe one of the songs I had sung or. I don't know if um, Rainbow Rocks had come out yet because uh, that was the first part. I had a speaking part as well as a singing part. Uh, but I think when you have strangers come up to you and talk to you about your work, that's a whole different level of appreciation. And that's just a whole different experience in itself. And I think that's when I kind of realized, oh, wow, people are watching this show. Wow, yeah. this is really cool. Um, okay, I'm going to make you pick some favorites now. Oh, sure. <laughs> and this is not the feature that's called Favorite Things, which is a whole other thing. Um, oh, this, right. But this is about, uh, about the roles and the characters uh, yeah. that you've played. So, you know, who, who would you say of all the characters that you have, you have voiced um, has been the most fun to sink your teeth into? Yeah. Is that it within the My Little Pony realm or just all of them? Oh, and all of them. Any oh, all, all of them. them. I know, all it's such them. an unfair question. <laughs> yeah, it's like picking your favorite child. Yeah. Uh, I just have the one. So if I don't say Mari, it's like I'm in trouble. I know, she's like, what? <laughs> um, well, definitely right off the top of my head. Uh, well, I would have to say... Adagio was pretty special for me, not only just because she was, I guess, one of my first, uh, but also it was the first time in my life that I really got to play a villain. Yes. Oh, and you were so good. Oh, 
because you were awful. You're so mean, and you get the best song. Years of resentment and anger. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, just because up until that point in my career, I think I had always been cast and very grateful for it, but always been cast as the sweet little ingenue or like the best friend next, the girl next door. Well, you were Skipper. You were what? You were Skipper, yeah. right? Yeah, that's <laughs> movies. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I was. So, and again, I love playing those characters too because there's a lot of nostalgia and a lot to relate to in those characters as well. But yeah, just to be given a villain or to be given an opportunity to do something completely different and be like, okay, you know, let's see what you do with this. And then mm-hmm. also she had some great songs. Thank you, Daniel. Oh, uh, yeah, like that was the first time I'm like, oh, wow. Like now I get to show this completely different side of me, uh, which was really special. And that's what I, I just, I, I love about animation in general. Like you could be um, a mean girl one day, you could be like a, a little boy the next day. It, it's the possibilities are endless. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and that's why we're going to keep calling you triple threat and not triple sensation. You're a sensational threat because you do have that that villain yearning to come out. So, um, how do you find a voice? Like, what is your what is your starting point? You know, when you're developing a voice for a character. Well, pictures again. I, I know I've mentioned that before are extremely helpful because for me, I love. Uh, working with the physicality of characters. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, like showing his, you know, big buck teeth or something, um, like that might affect their speech. Uh, or like, you know, if they're really big or something, then again, that <laughs> kind of is uh, a starting point as well. And then going to the character description or the age, I think is the next point for me. Uh, because how young they are or how old they are depends on the pacing of the voice and it's also going to determine the tone or the pitch. So that's kind of where I go from. And then what just feels fun and natural. Uh, and, and then I just kind of go from there. And, you know, it, you throw your hat in the ring and you see what sticks. <laughs> yeah. How has the material changed over you know, in, in the more than a decade that you've been, you've been doing this? I would say now girls, uh, there are more girls roles, which is very exciting. Thank goddess. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, just because, yeah, it, it is, uh, I, I would say definitely there were less female roles, but now I, th- I, I think, you know, especially after My Little Pony, Mm -hmm. Uh, the industry saw how successful a girl-dominated show could be. And so now I think they're trying to make more of those, which is wonderful. Um, And also, too, girls aren't just, again, the girl next door or, like, the perky little best friend. Uh, They're they're girls that are kind of taking charge of their destiny more. Uh, Like, Mm. for example, like Moana or Ray and the Last Dragon. You even see it with Mm. the big uh, studios coming out with uh, uh, female protagonists, strong female protagonists that Mm. aren't relying on, say, a Prince Charming to come in and save them or sweep them off their feet. Frozen, again, huge example. Uh, So that's how I feel. Like, I feel like strong, driven female protagonists are now driving instead of just kind of being secondary characters, which is yeah. really kind of cool to see. 
Now, I know that you are a, a teacher. Um, I know yeah. this because, yes, I've mentioned you have taught my child. Love, uh, Love you, Mari. <laughs> she, I mean, she's bonkers. Like, she is, she is creative and she's chaotic and she I is curious it. and she's all about content and, and watching everything that she can and creating. Um, you know, and I know that she's not alone in in wanting to, you know, get into this industry and, you know, and start to get in there and have, and have some fun. What, what kind of advice do you, do you give to these, these youngins, these uh, young Kazumis, you know, who want to, <laughs> want to get into the industry, you know, what are some things that they, they should be doing that they can be doing right now, you know, to give themselves a shot? Well, I, I mean, I, I think Mari's already well on her way uh, with, you know, she's taken so many classes mm. uh, because that's definitely for me, um, whether it was dance class or singing classes when I was younger, just getting that experience under your belt and, and the practice, practice makes perfect, as they always say. Um, and for me, like doing community theater or, you know, work that might not be paid but it's volunteer based or when you're starting out just to get that experience and to get that stage time i guess yeah. um is so invaluable uh just because you know luck is a funny thing it, it, it comes like what opportunity knocks when you've you've done the work and um you're you're prepared you're prepared for that yeah. opportunity i feel so oh i agree a hundred percent a hundred percent it's like you have to be open to the opportunity that luck could provide you know you have to be positioned to recognize it for what it is and then to be able to deliver hundred percent hundred percent um so for me like there there was years when i was younger my teenage years especially where i was doing community theater um productions, which I am so glad I did because mm -hmm. I feel like it really prepared me um, for the opportunities that came my way later on. Um, and yeah, it, 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 it's harder nowadays because now we have social media mm -hmm. um, and we have, we all have phones like cameras in our, in our iPhones and whatnot. So I feel like youngsters nowadays, they don't get kind of the same opportunity as maybe we did when we were younger, where we could face plant or have those live performances that we thought maybe like, okay, like that was pretty good. But if we were to watch it now, we're like, oh, okay. Hmm. You know, I, there's, I can nitpick this performance apart, but I, I think that's the beauty with growing up without so many cameras gave us yeah. it gave us that opportunity to learn and to not be afraid afraid of failure yeah. and I think that's something I tell my students a lot nowadays as well is don't be afraid of of making a mistake or oh, yeah. or buggering an audition or um you know just trying to be perfect at all times um make mistakes go for broke uh be brave but that's always easier said than done too, right? Because yeah. what we do, it requires us to be so vulnerable, but at the same time, you know, you want to nail the audition, but, yeah. but be vulnerable. So it's a bit of a conundrum, but that's what I encourage students to do is just get as much experience as possible, whether it's paid or not, and just go for it. 
because yeah, it really is. I feel this industry, a process of throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. You never yeah. know. Yeah. Not necessarily throwing actual stuff. At actual yeah. No, walls. no, no, no. <laughs> um, but still want to get into like sound, sound effects and, and stuff like that's, that's a thing. No, I love what you, what you're saying too, about like being ready and being brave and making mistakes. And it also reminds me of something that I learned on that panto um, was oh, yeah. about um, instant forgiveness as well, oh. you know, cause I would often make like a mistake or, or trip or I remember hitting my hand. I literally still have a scar from, I hit my hand on a, if you can see it's like right here um on uh one of the set pieces and i i ran off i'm like oh my god and i remember one of the other people there trent uh he was like you need to you need to just get over it uh because we have to finish the show and um and then we have to do like 15 other shows after that and uh so you just have to like just forgive yourself immediately and move on you know because you deserve a good show and the audience deserves a good show and you're and i'm like whoa and i don't think i would have learned that anywhere else you know well and, except and for that, in the theater well and that's the thing that's the beauty of live theater and that's why i'm i'm so grateful that i came from theater yeah. live theater uh because yeah that is one thing you learn pretty quickly that there's going to be days where you're not a hundred percent and there might be days where you flub a line or someone else forgets a line what do you do you can't stand there and, and just kind of be a deer in headlights you, you got to do something and uh so i i think it, it taught me improv mm. <laughs> as well great improv skills right off the bat Some skills for life for sure yeah. yeah but like you said instant forgiveness because it's the same even in the tv world there are times where you know maybe your brain goes for a bit of a walk and you you forget a line and then it's like oh, yeah. well, that happened yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, honestly, it has just helped me a lot in my parenting uh, as well. See, in life, yeah. yeah. It's not just in the entertainment industry. It's just in life in general. So many great lessons. Yeah. All right, let's play Favorite Things. Now, Ooh. Favorite Things, um, it's a segment of the podcast, basically uh, where I ask you what your favorite thing is of a thing, and then you reply. Um, as quickly as possible, but it's not called words. So you don't have to just say a word. Like it's not a word association. It's, it's okay. going to represent where you're at. Um, and I, I should say that some of these questions were originally uh, developed by Mari. This was Mari's uh, oh, segment. So, you know, a um, so lot of thought and emotion uh, okay. went into this. So that's why I'm adding some gravitas to my voice. Okay. Favorite midnight snack? <gasps> oh, cereal. What kind of cereal? The cashy, like the whole wheat, uh, like the cinnamon harvest. Mm. Oh, cinnamon is nice. I love though that it's like a it's like a healthy cereal, like one that's good for your insides, and not the kind of cereal that I would have as a midnight snack, which is just <laughs> like spoonful of colored sugar. Okay. Favorite animated series, past or present? that you haven't appeared in. Oh, oh, that's yet. a good one. It's, yeah, Simpsons. I, I feel like they really do need to come up here and do some voice casting for sure. I would, oh my gosh, I think I would, uh, that'd be one of the, the yeah, I'd die and go to heaven. I'd be like, I'm yeah. good, I'm good. Please don't die. 
but no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> I, do, I, do, I hope not. I, I'm just saying hi. Be- I don't want you to get that role and be like, no, it's like <laughs> it's like a Korean <laughs> horror series where you get the one thing you want and then that's it for you. Um, yeah, that was. So, what kind of character would you want to voice on The Simpsons then? Any. Anything they give, like, you know, even if it's a one-liner, even if oh, it, it's okay. like a girl that walks in the shop, I'd be like, I'll be, I'll be back. I'm good. Okay. I'm good. Favorite karaoke song? Oh! I get so nervous with karaoke. Um, so You're Kazumi fucking Evans, which is now your new name that I'm just giving you. But, like, come on! Because oh, you, no, you can sing! I still get by, I get so very nervous for it. I, I still to this day. Uh, oh dear. Um, I don't even know when the last time I did karaoke was. Yeah, it's not really a pandemic friendly activity if you're going to well, like one of those um, those places like on Robson Street where you, you and yeah. a bunch of friends can get a room and like sing some songs. Okay. Like that's like a super spreader event, but okay. And the before Edge, times. Edge of glory, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. If you're feeling it, then that's fine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Favorite trash television show? Oh, uh, Too Hot to Handle. I love that that one, you didn't even take that's a, even like, like that would just, okay. So what is it about, like, cause I haven't watched Too Hot to Handle. What am I missing? Okay. So if you have children, get them to leave the room right about now. Uh, so Too Hot to Handle is when they put uh, a bunch of very attractive singles onto this island. It's like, you know, it's paradise. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the first 12 hours, they never tell the contestants this, though. Like, you know, they're, you know, they mingle and they can do whatever. But after that first 12 hours, they're not allowed to touch one another, What like in any sort of sexual um sort of way whether that be kissing um any sort of thing after that and so it's very hard for a lot of these individuals because uh, you know they they're they're all very beautiful uh so yes yeah yeah <laughs> i love all the euphemisms you like and, and stuff. they're beautiful i gotta say though me now granted i've been with my man for 23 years here but you know me in a pandemic age where i single would still be like you're attractive but don't come near me we can yes! admire each other <laughs> Do you like how how was trying to describe it in the most PC way as possible? Yeah, I love it. I love it. I mean, yeah. I, could, I should have. T- I mean, although I have noticed that with a lot of um, my my voice actor guests, especially the ones who do cartoons, they will oh. not let loose at all. And I'll be like, you can swear on the podcast that has an explicit rating, and it's like, nope, nope, can't do it. Don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I even asked people if they had kids, leave leave the room at this point yeah. because. You probably don't want that or the Kardashians too. I have to say, I know it's a guilty, it's such a guilty pleasure. Wow. Uh, one time, I, when my husband and I first started dating again, um, I was worried he was going to judge me. And mm-hmm. so I was watching an episode and uh, then he came in, but I couldn't get it off the screen fast enough. <laughs> he's like, what are you watching? I was like, the, the, the Kardashians. And he's like, you can start from the beginning. We can watch it together. I was like, oh. And then I knew, I knew. Wow. I knew he was the one before that, but really that just sealed the deal, didn't it? 
Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Let me watch my trash TV. Yeah, no judgment. No judgment. Yeah, Although, no is there anything that like he he watches or watch at the beginning, you know, that like made you judge him, you know, a little no. bit? No, no. But see, I, I think I guess maybe that's when you know. It's just um, maybe maybe things that I thought initially I'm like, oh, really? But then I'd start watching them and then I'd get into it. Yeah. I'd get pulled into it as well. You know, Love is Blind is another really good one. Wow, I have a lot to say. This You really do. This is your question. <laughs> okay, and this is another question, question that I love to ask um, voice actors, um, especially one of my BFFs, Nicole Oliver. She has like a very, like a lot of options for this one. Favorite hot beverage when your throat is feeling poorly? Oh, favorite hot beverage. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's, that's how Nicole begins. <laughs> well. yes. well. I have several options for you. Um, honey lemon ginger tea, mm-hmm. a very good one. So it's just hot water, um, a big tablespoon of honey, and then lemon and ginger in that. And you're just drinking, drinking tea, teapots of that. Uh, or a turmeric latte, which is... Um, hot milk uh you have a teaspoon oh just a little yeah teaspoon i would say of turmeric honey um a pinch of salt and a bit of vanilla a dash of vanilla in there salt really just a little pinch of it just a little pinch of table salt pinch like three grains four grains huh i i mean that does now that you've described it it sounds amazing but it also, like when you first said turmeric latte, like I just, oh, I kind of recoiled a little bit inside. Well, that, that doesn't sound appetizing. That was my yeah. reaction. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, that is a great concoction. Like you don't think it's going to be good, but it's delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite partner to play with in the voice booth? <gasps> oh, oh. And, and but I was going to say screen partner, but I'm like, I would be like, is that a, somebody a screen partner, like a behind the mic partner, you know, so in pre pandemic times, pre COVID times, who was super fun, you know, to share that voice space with. Oh gosh. Well, Tabitha St. Germain, I know I've, I've, I've said her name so many times, but uh, yeah, definitely just, she's just so creative and just so in the moment that you just never know what's going to come out of her. Like she never does, literally, she never does align the same way twice. So (laughs) I think there's been times I've come in late for my line because I'm just slack jawed watching her. Yeah. Um, Ian Hanlon, extremely hysterical. And and, and so again, great at what he does. Well, Vincent Tong, all, all, all of our, uh, the, so many of my peers, like all of my peers, like who who's not, but those are, I guess, some people right off the top of my head, I would name that. Yeah. Geniuses, geniuses. I, I don't want to kind of, I mean, because we are winding down now and I don't want to kind of end on kind of a, a sad note. So just know that there is a happy note that is coming after this sad Excellent. note. But let's, like, let's talk about COVID. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. the impact, you know, that that COVID has had on the work and the art that you do. Oh, yeah. How has it impacted your life in that way? I definitely would say it's become lonely. I mean, I think 
in the entertainment industry, it's a lonely pursuit anyways, just mm-hmm. because it's not a team endeavor. It, it really very much is me, myself, and I. Uh, and Gus. And yes, Gus. and Gus. And Gus. <laughs> You're the puppy, the yes. big puppy. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, he's a Bernese mountain dog, uh, <laughs> but but he thinks he's a Pomeranian. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely, like definitely in the era of self tapes. I mean, voiceover. We had been doing MP3 auditions for a long time prior to the pandemic, so not much had changed, but any sort of live auditions that we were doing were gone and are we haven't really had, which I really miss, especially um, for voiceover, just because to get that direction and that sense of play and also that sense of when the audition's done, oh, okay. Whereas now I really find myself, um, if I'm not too careful, like I can beat a flog a dead horse you know just like oh I can go one more take and then it's like 20 takes later whereas if it had been a live audition you prepare you go in you get the direction and you you walk out you're like okay cool now it's done so and there was that sense of collaboration and and even with on-camera work as well too um we discussed at the beginning of uh this you know telling your husband to stay quiet, asking for the dog, praying for the dog to stay quiet, Um, especially in an on-camera audition where it's not like with voiceover, you can edit. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a one take. And if a noise, if the lawnmower goes off outside or if your dog barks, then okay, back, back to square one. Here we go again. Um, Yeah. It's, it's been lonely and just having that little extra stress has been a little bit difficult just because I guess, you know, even when you would see peers in the audition room, it was socialization time. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So not getting to see my peers on a regular basis has been difficult for sure. And I am sad to hear that. And I promise we are not going to end on that note. Um, we're going to end with, I'll give you the, the, uh, PG version of the question uh, <laughs> and also the like R-rated version. Let's start with the R-rated. Yeah. So when in your, in your career do you have, what the fuck, this is actually my life moments? Or, and here's the PG, um, when do you have, wow, this is actually my life mo- moments? <laughs> <laughs> I always say WTF or what the fuck. So for you, I gave you... Um, I, I, love, I love both. I love yeah. both. Uh, it's not even PG, it's G-rated. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Kids these days. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say when, when a show comes out and mm. all of a sudden you, you're kind of given the go-ahead that, okay, you can talk about this. Um, and especially when it's, say, a property that, you've, that I've grown up with and I've always loved and now I get to yeah. finally share that I'm a part of it. Or it's on Netflix um, or, you know, any of these big streaming services that have come up in the last few years, that's, that's when I kind of have those moments. I'm like, Oh, wow, that's so cool. Like, because when you record it, usually it's a year before you see any sort of uh, media or Mm -hmm. any sort of release of the material that you recorded. So there's a big gap. So you tend to kind of forget Mm. unfortunately so it's always really lovely when you 
kind of get those notices oh like hey like guys you know put it on your social media account it's here um you can talk about it that's i, I think when i have those moments the most for sure yeah fantastic Kazumi, let's not wait another like 18 years to right? do this because <laughs> right? then I will still be, I'll be older and then I will still be much older than you. Oh, please. You look a day older. <laughs> it's the turmeric. It's the turmeric. Kazumi Evans, where can our fans find you, follow you, celebrate you on all the social meds? Oh, well, cause at Kazooms27 on Twitter and Instagram. I love that. Kazooms. Is that your nickname? Yep, that's one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the PG one. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you to yeah. our listeners. Please like, subscribe, leave us a review if you are so inclined, especially those five-star reviews. They help us find even more listeners and then we can keep having these incredible conversations. You can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVRScreenScene and at Sabrina Rmf, which is not my nickname. It's Sabrina RMF for Sabrina Ronnie Mara Rubinger. The YVR Screen Scene Podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Ronnie Mara Furminger, Sabrina Arf, and is edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad, that's Mari, to Paul Furminger for technical support, and to Dane, not Furminger, Devlet, poor, poor, not Furminger, Dane. Uh, actually, not poor, poor, I mean, we, we love you, Dane, your family, even though you're not a Furminger. For the original music, YVR Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history, the fish flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day. These were the early days of Hollywood North, before digital deliveries and fast transfer speeds, and the pioneers of the Vancouver film industry began loading up the fish flight with film reels so Hollywood execs could review the footage shot on the previous day. The fish flight was also one of the building blocks of the visual effects and animation mecca that is present-day Vancouver. And Fish Flight Entertainment builds on this legacy. Fish Flight Entertainment serves the games, film, and television industries. We remember the days of the fish flight and attack our projects with the same passion as those pioneering days of yore. We believe in jumping off the cliff and building our wings on the way down. And who knows? That old fish with improvised wings may even fly. Learn more about Fish Flight Entertainment at fishflightentertainment.com. That's fishflightentertainment.com. <laughs>